Well, before we get started this morning, I want to give a shout out to the Edmonds Police Department. I mean, you know, we live in Seattle, and who knows what happens, and all of a sudden, they, like, show up, they're on point, they ask good questions. I would love to be in the police office today, and those guys go back, and they're just recounting, and they're like, he said he was the pastor, but he was partially dressed. I mean, you know, you just can't make this stuff up. This is awesome. I know it was at James's expense. We, none of us have had a morning like that. We were not cuffed before we got to church this morning. But we appreciate James's diligence every week showing up, getting us started. Yeah. That is no, no small thing. And uh, we, we don't take for that for granted. Uh, open your Bibles. We are this morning in John chapter 14, and we're going to be picking up this story of Jesus. Remember, we're in the upper room discourse, one of the longest speeches that Jesus gave to his disciples. It included a meal, foot washing that began it, and it included a meal, and Jesus is on the eve right before his death, and he's got a long series of things that he wants to talk to his disciples about. I want to commend Pastor Eric last week. I think he did a masterful job with the passage. And if you remember, he introduced the notion to us that the disciples are nervous. And they're like, Jesus is leaving us and we don't know what to do with this. And we feel like we're getting abandoned. And he went on in this passage to disclose for us or help uh, Jesus communicate to us that we can have hope in times of trouble. And boy, have we experienced some trouble in the last week or so, and so again, Jesus' words are just ringing out to us, and I think that Eric did a great job uh, in communicating that to us. Well, the disciples, as we move on in this passage, are still feeling that level of anxiety, and they have no idea what's going to happen if Jesus departs them, and that's what he's promised to do, and they have no idea how this could actually even be a good situation for them. And so we're picking up in chapter 14, starting in verse 15, and this is the way that John records it. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Sometimes when things are new, they're right on the horizon, we don't like adopt them immediately because perhaps we don't understand them or there's something about it that just doesn't seem right to us. Let me give you an example. My wife was an early adopter of a piece of technology and it was voice to text. I don't know if any of you use that, but it's really a, quite a masterful invention. You can speak your texts. And Denise has done that very frequently from the moment that that became available. Now, my kids have been slow to adopt that. And in fact, my kids say, Mom, that is not how texting is done at all. As if that's like a, a foul in some way. And they just kind of roll their eyes. Oh, there goes mom again, speaking her text. And it's like, that, that can't be done. You're not supposed to do it that way. And you know, she has just been an early adopter of voice technology. And it's very common today. You know, you think about it in places like your Alexa, you do that with voice commands there. You know, you think about that with Google Translate. I love that. You can speak something in and it'll translate what is uh, one language to another. And so, again, this is really a very common technology, but it can be slow to be on the uptake. It can be something that's slow that we don't uh, gather in right away because we don't understand it, or maybe we don't understand that it is better. Well, that's the disciples' dilemma. They, they couldn't imagine how Jesus departing could be good for them or that it could be something that's even better for them and they're still questioning because it just doesn't compute that Jesus is going to leave. And in fact, let me ask you this question. Which would you rather have? Would you rather have Jesus in the flesh, looking you in the eye, able to touch you, have a meal with him, ask him questions, or would you rather have the Holy Spirit? That, that question, if you just stated it that way, was easy for the disciples. We want Jesus to stay with us. And maybe there's some of you today that still might feel that way. Here's what I want you to know. The Holy Spirit is one of the most misunderstood aspects of our faith. And it was very confusing to the early disciples what Jesus meant. And maybe it's confusing to some of us even here today. This passage today is one of the iconic passages in the Bible where Father, Son, and Spirit are all together. And again, we have a doctrinal name for that, Father, Son, and Spirit, we call the Trinity. And the Trinity, again, is oftentimes a very misunderstood aspect of our faith. In fact, I love what Michael Reeves, he's the author of Delighting in the Trinity, and this is what he says, the Trinity is seen not as a solution and a delight, but as an oddity and a problem. And so many times we're trying to explain what exactly is the Trinity that we miss just the basic, the basic presence of, again, all Father, Son, and Spirit all together working in concert. I love what A.W. Tozer, famous author and pastor, he's with the Lord by now. But this is what he says, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on with no difference. But if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they do would come to a stop and everybody would know the difference. And so it's incumbent upon us that we understand from Jesus this gift of the Holy Spirit, this gift of the helper who's been given to us. And I believe that if we understand that better, 
it helps us in life. It helps us to lead the kind of life that God wants for us. In fact, I think the Spirit is imperative to lead the normal Christian life. So what I want to do with you today is help you understand four ways that the Holy Spirit has come to us. Four ways that God has sent the Spirit in order to help us, in order to manifest life to us, in order to do things that Jesus couldn't do if he were just here in his flesh by himself. The Spirit here is here as a better representative, a better partner with us than Jesus could even be when he was on earth in the flesh. I'm indebted to a man named Sinclair Ferguson. He wrote a book called Lessons from the Upper Room, and he gave these four titles I'm going to use today uh, for the Holy Spirit. And again, my words today, but I want to honor that he gave those titles to me. I thought, you know, I can't improve on those. I'm using those four titles today. And so here's four ways the Holy Spirit comes to us. And again, there are four distinct uh, manifestations that he has in our lives. First, the Spirit comes as helper. Verse 15, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And I want to place an emphasis upon that word, another because that's significant. By another, Jesus is saying, you've had one helper, I'm gonna give you another. And what he honestly, again, means by that is, I've been your first helper, but I'm sending you another helper. That word another is interesting in English, at least, because when we say another, we mean one of two things. We mean, first of all, another just like it. I would like another chocolate chip cookie, please. And that's another, just like the one I just ate. But we could also say one that's like the one, but slightly different. I'd like another chocolate chip cookie, but this time with nuts. And that one is one that's another, but it's slightly different than the first. Here's what's so good about the Greek language. It's so precise that it makes the distinction for us on that. And when Jesus says another, the word that's used there is another just like the first one. And so what Jesus is telling us is, I am sending a helper who is just like me. You're going to experience him the same way that you do me. We have the same character. We have the same bedside manner. You're going to experience him and he's going to be just like me. Only difference is he's going to indwell you and be with you forever. That's something I can't do as Jesus in the flesh, but the Holy Spirit has come to be your helper and to manifest that to you. The helper is even better because he's not bound by any time and space. The Holy Spirit, you know, is doing something Jesus couldn't do. If Jesus was in Galilee, he couldn't be in Jerusalem, can't be in two places at once, But the Holy Spirit says, guess what? I'm one who can be in Boston, Bangkok, and Beirut at the same time. And I can do that. And what a magnificent thing that God has done for his worldwide church is to give the presence and the indwelling of Jesus himself in the presence of the Holy Spirit within each one of us. They were fearful that they were going to be orphaned, but Jesus says, no, I'm bringing one perpetually to you. He's going to have a brand new presence with you, but my same spirit, my same teaching that's going to be in him that will now be in you. Even more help, even more care than Jesus could give, all bound up in this brand new package that they did not yet understand. When I say the name Angelo Dundee, chances are good many of you don't know who that is. 
But you do know who he was a partner with, Muhammad Ali, one of the greatest prize fighters the world has ever known. And here's a picture of Ali and Angelo Dundee. What was the role of Angelo Dundee? Was he the promoter or something? What was he? He was the, he was the corner man. He was known as the corner man. And Angelo Dundee was with Muhammad Ali for 20 years as his trainer and as the guy at every fight who was in the corner. And this is what Angelo Dundee says about being the corner man for Muhammad Ali. He says, when you're working with a fighter, you're a surgeon, an engineer, and a psychologist. Isn't that great? A great description of all the things he had to do. From patching up wounds to saying, come on, champ, get in there, you can do it. And that was the role of Angelo Dundee as the corner man. Friends, hear this. You have the Holy Spirit who's come to you as corner man, as helper, as the one who says, I am going to be there for the fight of your life and I'm going to be standing at your side cheering you on and you're going to need me and you're going to need my help at those moments. The second thing that the Holy Spirit does is he comes as counselor, verse 17, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so again, we're using this word counselor and helper. And again, that all comes from one Greek word. In fact, I have that Greek word up here for us. It's parakletos, or we would say in English, the paraclete. And that's what the Holy Spirit is known as in English, but it comes from the Greek word parakletos. It literally means one who comes alongside, but it could be translated several different ways in English. It could be translated as helper or comforter or encourager, counselor or even advocate. So any of those words are potential to be used for the role of the Holy Spirit. We, of course, have used helper already, but I'm using the word counselor now. And what I want you to really focus upon right now is the idea of a person who is a counselor and maybe a counselor at law. You think of that title being used for a lawyer, a counselor at law. And what it means is when I go into the courtroom, I need somebody that knows how the court system works. And I need somebody who's going to charge me exorbitant prices marked by every 15 minutes, which all of us know all too well if you've ever had to hire a lawyer. And that person, though, understands that environment, and they can go and get things done in that environment. And here's what I want you to know about the ancient world. The ancient world had a little different form of, ju of, of judicial process than we do. If you were a judge, you were a person actually who was a uh, adjudicator of not just the law, but you tried to interpret the law. What, what is the commandment? Uh, for instance, the greatest commandment. And so you were into the Mosaic law and every just niggle of that, and you were just trying to figure it out. And if you were going to court, you didn't necessarily have a lawyer that went with you. The judges were there. They were present. They were going to hear your case. But here's who you needed to go into the courtroom with you. You needed the paraclete in the form of a counselor. And guess who that person was? It was your best friend. Because your best friend would go to give testimony on your behalf. 
And the best friend would go and say, Judge, I want you to hear. This is what this person is like, and I want you to hear. This is the circumstances in which they found themselves, and I want you to hear. I've been with them for all these years. I know them well. And so the counselor was the individual, the paraclete was the individual who was the person who knew you best and was going to advocate on your behalf. And that is, again, the role of Holy Spirit as counselor today. He knows us best, and he knows how to advocate our cause to the Father and indeed to the world that looks on to us. Do you remember back in grade school when you had a best friend? Your best friend knew things about you that nobody else knew. Your best friend knew you had, who you had a crush on. Your best friend knew the foods that you liked to eat. Your best friend knew the things that you did not like to eat, like mayonnaise. <laughs> I can still remember the day when I had my best friend Scott that would say, Mom, remember, Brian doesn't like any mayonnaise on his sandwich. And so he, was, he knew that, that very personal piece of information about me, and he was able to transfer that on my behalf to somebody that it mattered with, somebody who was making my sandwich. The role of the Holy Spirit is one of counselor in the form of friend. And this is why the Holy Spirit is known as the spirit of truth because he knows the truth, but he knows more importantly even the truth about you and he's constantly again advocating on your behalf. I want you to think about something right now, something that really crossed my mind this week and I've loved this thought. Did you know you have two counselors? Right now, Jesus is sitting at the hand, right hand of God, and he is, the scriptures say, advocating on your behalf, the church's behalf, the worldwide. And he's speaking about the needs of the church to the Father. He's speaking and communicating about all that's happening with you. And then you have this Holy Spirit that's also the second helper, the second counselor. He's inside and he's doing the same. He's pleading your cause, your case. I love Romans chapter 12. It says this, or Romans chapter, excuse me, 8, that says, the Holy Spirit comes and offers groanings too deep for words. That's what he's doing. He's groaning. He's beseeching God on your behalf with, with even things that are so deep you wouldn't understand even what they are, but he's pleading your case before God. Third, the Holy Spirit comes and helps as, and this was a strange one, I know, but he comes as homemaker. He comes as homemaker. Verse 23, if anybody loves me, he'll keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And that is a very strange title to say that Holy Spirit is a homemaker. And you realize that in today's day and age, that's a little bit of a derogatory term. You talk to somebody and you say, hey, what do you do? And it's usually a woman, but sometimes it's even a man today, and they say, I'm a homemaker. And whether it's said out loud or not, oftentimes it's like, oh, is that all you do? And I, I mean, I realize that's a tremendous put down in the mind, but that's the way that oftentimes homemaker is used. I want you to realize something. A homemaker is the one who is occupied with transforming a house into a home. A homemaker is one who has the responsibility of bringing a family atmosphere 
into your dwelling. It's the person who provides the fresh smell of cookies and the comfort of a warm blanket. The homemaker is the one who creates a welcoming atmosphere for your guests and creates a sanctuary for all of your family who lives in your home. And furthermore, I want you to hear this. This is not a role that's beneath the Holy Spirit at all. (laughs) The Holy Spirit would say, oh yeah, I love my role as homemaker. This is one of the things I do the best. And you say whatever you want about me, but man, I love, I'm locked into that role and I love it so much because I am coming to create a home inside of you for the Father and the Son. That's what he says is his role. And I'm going to, I'm not going to stop until I do that. It's not just any kind of home. It's a home that's fit for a king. And it means it has to have construction that's a part of it. It means that it has to have cleaning that's a part of it. All of those things go into the Holy Spirit being the homemaker and creating a space in order for the living God to dwell inside of you. Let me see if I can help you get this in your heads. This this story helped me this week. There's a famous pastor. His name is Matt Chandler. Many of you have probably heard him preach. This is a picture of Matt with his family. And this is a a story about his son all the way to the right-hand side named Reed. Matt Chandler said that he came home one night and his son was playing on the Xbox. And he said, hey, Reed, did you clean your room yet? No, Dad, I'll get right on that. So uh, he switched off the Xbox and he heard him kind of rummage around upstairs and he said he has another job that he's required to do each week and it's the, the whole house job. And this week it was vacuuming. So he said, I heard the vacuum click, click on. He says, I was downstairs unloading the dishwasher. I heard the vacuum click on and he said it ran for about 45 seconds and then it stopped. And he said, Reed came and pop, popped his hand around the corner. He said, I'm done. And Matt Chandler said to his son, you're done? Yeah, yeah, I'm done. He said, son, Superman could not vacuum the house in 45 seconds. It's impossible. Well, yeah, I'm done, dad. What can I say? He said, like any good father, I walked him around the house. And he said, I found this spot in which it looked like some goldfish crackers had been purposely dumped on the ground and danced on. And I said, did you, did you catch this? And he said, oh, yeah, I missed that part. And he says, I just kept on walking him around the house. Did, did you see this? This is part of the whole floor. This is part of all the vacuuming. And he said, oh, dad, I missed that. And so he said, like any loving father, I just have to point out what it is that we're doing. This is the way Matt Chandler ends that story. He said, we vacuumed. We walked around and I showed him other obvious places that he'd failed to see. It reminded me of the gospel of John when Jesus says, we will make our home with you because that's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. He's going to create a space in your heart for him. And he says, he's gonna say to us, hey, look at those crusted, crushed, crushed up goldfish. It's gonna be awesome for them to be gone. Bugs are gonna get in here and stuff's gonna happen. There's going to be a smell in here. Let's, let's get that all cleaned up. I'm going to help you get cleaned up. And he says, I'm going to walk alongside you to do that and places that you did not even know were dirty. That is what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's for the glory of God. He is this awesome homemaker, and he is coming to dwell inside of us to manifest God's glory. I love Colossians chapter 1. 
It says this, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Here it is, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This has never happened before, before Christ left and sent the Spirit, is that the Spirit would now come, God would now come, and to dwell a brand new temple, and it would be the temple of human hearts. That's an amazing thing. It's something we should never tire in hearing and rehearsing again and again. Fourth, the Holy Spirit will come as teacher. Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Everybody who was around Jesus knew he was a good teacher. Everybody hung on his every word. It's like, we've never heard anybody like this before. This guy is awesome. And Jesus says, guess what? I am sending one who's going to be your teacher as good as I am, in fact, even better, again, because he can be all places at once. And I want you to notice something about the Holy Spirit and his role. His job is to bring to your remembrance all that Jesus taught you. So he's not doing, he's not going rogue kind of on his own. He is saying all the words that are bound up in the scriptures, all the things that God has taught I'm going to have the job of bringing to your recollection those things. And so you're like, oh, wow, that verse I remembered, I memorized all those years ago. Man, it somehow it just came flooding back to me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I needed that at this moment. And so that's being delivered to me. Lord, the, the, the Holy Spirit is what I need right now in order to help me to be able to practically do this thing right now. The Holy Spirit's job is to say, I want you to recollect something that you're going to use again now, something from Jesus you'll use now. And sometimes that's scripture, sometimes that's even just experience. Many of you know that my mother is in hospice care right now, and I visit her multiple times a week, and it's, again, it's watching in slow motion somebody die. And each time I visit, there's a little bit less of mom that's there. She's still actually able to kind of carry on a conversation, and she knows who I am and all the rest. But, you know, she's fading, Here's what I want you to know. My dad died of Parkinson's disease uh, more than a decade ago now. And I had the experience of being at my father's bedside in a very similar state. He had a slow decline from that disease. And so I know what it's like to be with somebody who's bedridden. I know what it's like to have conversation, to have touch. I know what it's like to feel some of the loss in my own life, which I'm still experiencing now. But the Holy Spirit is telling me and reminding me, you remember, Brian, what that was like to have dad in that state? Well, I want you to transfer some of the things that I did, even just your confidence in me, transfer from that into this situation right now. Because that instance is instrumental to this instance. And the Holy Spirit comes to be a teacher guiding us into all things that God has done with us, through us, put inside of us into the instance that we need it right now. And it's not to say that I'm not incredibly sad at times to be with my mom. She never ended, she thought she would end her life just being bedridden. And it's, it's, you know, it's just the loss of all dignity. But God is still present with us and we still have a love that's being communicated and she is ready for heaven. Friends, as we think about the Holy Spirit in our lives, I'm hoping that today you have had an aha moment. You've learned something today about the role of the Holy Spirit you've never known before, 
or at least that you have practiced in some time. What I'm hoping today is that you will more deeply welcome the Holy Spirit. You will more deeply rely upon the Holy Spirit. And if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, the Spirit is already there. He's doing his work. He has come to be helper, counselor, homemaker, teacher, and so much more. You don't need to ask for that. He's already on the job doing that. And yet, I think that we're able to have a greater awareness of that and a greater participation with the Holy Spirit's work on the inside of us. You can begin by just even acknowledging that. Holy Spirit, boy, I need your help today. You are my helper. I'm asking for that. You're my teacher. Lord, use the Holy Spirit to bring me into truth. That's his job. I wish to rely upon that today. And that's a wonderful thing to do, to become more aware, more vigilant of the person of the Holy Spirit and the job that God the Father has sent him to do to testify of Jesus. So I'm calling us all today to celebrate the gift of this second helper who has come to us. Let us rely upon the indispensable presence and power of the Holy Spirit for it's impossible to lead the Christian life without him and his presence. Let's pray. Father, what a powerful passage and one so readily misunderstood by your disciples until they experienced it at Pentecost. And Lord, maybe so arguably misunderstood by us too. And we, Lord, want to just have our hearts wide open to what the Spirit wants to communicate and how the Spirit wants to come to us and do the role that he is charged by God to do. So, Lord, open us to that. Let us be let us recognize the Spirit's gift and His presence in us and let us lead lives that are in obedience to Him. Thank you, Lord, for this picture of Father, Son, and Spirit working in such mutual uh, love for one another. May that love be manifest to us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.